This three beards media podcast may this three beards media podcast may contain mature themes. And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it! Hey, 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 everybody, right, welcome to episode, <laughs> good, welcome to episode five of False Starts with Bill Blank and Chris Shipley. Uh, I am your host, uh, Chris Shipley. Uh, this is my co-host and friend, Bill Blank. Bill, how are you doing this week? I'm doing swell. All I was worried about this entire week was if you did your homework last week, over the last um, two weeks. I did not. You, I did not. Not even once? Did you just have all no. good days? I did. I Actually, I did. Uh, I, I got to go back and see my mom. Uh, so that kind of helped my my sadness or whatever. And then uh, I got a really good lead on a job. And uh, from, believe it or not, from social nice. media. Uh, and uh, so for as much as people talk about how toxic it is, um, this gentleman reached out to me, asked me for my resume. A couple of days later, I'm having lunch with him and his boss and Friday I got a verbal offer. So, uh, it's verbal, but, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. So Did, you uh, accepted it, this offer. I accepted the verbal offer based off of, uh, seeing the, the, the full offer, but well, what the hell happens so, next? Uh, I should get the full offer tomorrow. And I, as I said to him on the phone, if they're, you know, as long as there's not something in there, absolutely that shit crazy that I can't agree to, which uh, didn't sound like that was, you know, anything coming. Uh, what if it's the, in the contract you know. that you have to jerk off every time you have a bad day? I mean, that's okay. Are you going to take the job then? <laughs> I will take the job. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I will take the job then. As long as, as long as I can do it at home, as long as it's not a hybrid thing. And then, you know, then that's, I don't, I don't want to do that in the office. Half in the office, half at home. <laughs> See, oh, man. that's the thing. Just putting it, putting that thought in your head, yeah, subconsciously made you have nothing but good days. That's right, because you didn't right. want to have to come on here on national podcast television and tell the world, <laughs> right, that you did your homework where my kids are watching. While your kids are, are they watching? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no <laughs> idea. I can't, I can't tell who's who. I can't. I, all I see is numbers. Well, adult themes, man. Adult themes. That's right. That's what I'm here for. That's right. He warned you at the beginning. Yeah. Joshua warned you at the beginning. He tried to tell him. How'd that go? How'd the plunge go? That was great, oh. right? Oh. We got to get you better internet or something. <laughs> Chris is frozen, folks. <laughs> I don't know if Chris knows yeah, he's frozen. Sorry. I do. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, get you. Is it? Is it your internet? Do we need to go out there and dig some trenches? What's the deal? I'm sure. I'm sure it's probably hey, Jordan upstairs up watching wrestling. I'm sure it's Jordan upstairs to, watching wrestling. Tell him to turn that shit off. I will. Everybody in the house, off the Wi-Fi now. Do you feel like right. now that you have a job? Do you feel like you can tell people what to do again? 
in the house. Like, and not oh, that never like stopped shit. me. That never stopped me. <laughs> that never. Except for my wife, I don't really have any control over that. Um. Yeah, that was never so, going to be the case. Know. Do you? Uh, right? Let's. Um... Yeah, I'm. I'm here, Travis. I'm here. <laughs> I got it. Okay, I think we're good now. I, I I wanted to make sure we were good. Let's. Uh, you want to you want to introduce our guest? Give a little background. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So uh, we are uh, very honored. Uh, uh, I spoke to this gentleman briefly. Um, he saw that we were having uh, Lindsay Fennelly on and uh, had offered to come on and tell his story as well. Um, so we have brought on um, United States Army Command Sergeant retired. Uh, Jason uh, Van Cleek, I think uh, I got his last name right. Jason, is that right? That's correct. Good job. <laughs> awesome. All right. Jason, thank you for coming on False Starts with Bill and I. How are you tonight? Absolutely. Good, good. It's it's funny because I thought as we were getting ready to do this, I'm like, I don't think I've ever told him my last name and he's literally going to read it and I hope he does it right. <laughs> I, sh I should retire on a high note right now because I'm sure the rest of the night, I will make mistake after mistake that Bill will call me out on. Oh yeah, I'll throw I'll throw you right under the bus. <laughs> I Good know. job. I'll, I'll give you that. It's a 50 50 shot. It's either click or click, and most people will go click, but it's click. All right. Well, there you go. Jason, uh, I gave a brief little overview. It doesn't necessarily carry everything. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about uh, yourself and your background? Yeah, yeah. So um, as you said, I'm retired uh, command sergeant major from the army, um, and I'm gonna I'll, I'll go all the way kind of back to where I started with the army because it's gonna lead up to where I got to with um, one my own battle with mental health, and then um, becoming a face of the army for mental health. And um, so I joined the army when I was 18 years old. I'm, I'm originally from Indiana. I grew up in Indianapolis. Um, I joined the army when I was still in high school. Um, and I, I joined the army thinking I was just going to go in for five years. I was, I was a, a military policeman by trade and my intent was get in, do five years, get out and be a cop. And, um, so nothing spectacular about my career to start off with, went to basic training and, and, uh, job training, otherwise known as AIT. Um, and after that I was stationed in, uh, Fort Drum, New York, um, spent two years there. This is all pre 9 11 2001 so the army was different then um and uh so did two years in new york then i um went to germany for a year once again nothing spectacular about my career i just was a normal soldier i was i was a good soldier but nothing to to stand out or, or anything um did a year in, in germany and then um while i was in germany i got selected to be a recruiter and um, went back to Indiana. It was a program the Army was trying back then. It was this is the year of uh, night, late '99, and uh, so I went back home. Essentially, I, I recruited back in my hometown, um, and it was the most stressful job I've ever done in my entire life. Even like more stressful than deploying to war. I mean, recruiting is no joke and um when you see even today about the struggles of the military and recruiting believe me that those recruiters they're they're feeling the pressure so bottom line is i'm 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 recruiting back in indiana super high stressful job to the point of 
I would wake up every day, sit on the edge of my bed, look at my uniform hanging in the closet, and I would dry heave knowing I had to go to work because it was just that much stress. And um, so I did, a, I, only, I did a year and a half in recruiting. Um, back then, the program I was in, it was a shorter program. Most recruiters do three years. I only did a year and a half. Um, and, uh, so I get, but it, during that time, so I'm a recruiter, all of 2000 rolling into 2001. And then right at the end of my time as a recruiter, um, September 11th of 2001 happens. Um, and I'm literally on my way out of recruiting and heading to, uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So I get to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, um, right after nine 11. So I'm there, I, I arrived there in October of 2001 within a couple months i'm on a plane and we are heading to afghanistan so um my mission in afghanistan when the war when the war first kicked off being a military policeman i flew missions from we would fly from new jersey to turkey into afghanistan pick up 30 terrorists put them on a plane fly them to cuba 26 hour straight flight, drop them off, fly back to the States. It was this round robin of transporting these terrorists down to, down to the prison in Cuba. So then I get back to uh, Fort Campbell. Um, it, was, it was a short deployment, ran out of prisoners to have to take to Cuba. So I um, get back to Fort Campbell and I just fall in line with doing army things. Obviously the Iraq war is starting to get a lot of chatter um and the iraq war kicks off so i deploy again to uh to kick off iraq and um i'm in charge of nine other soldiers at that time i'm, I'm what's known as a squad leader and um so during that deployment um we move across the berm out of kuwait into iraq take over a town in southern iraq um we're building up the police station um you know pretty high stress every day running around the city trying to uh, bring the country under law essentially there was no law and um, so then after a few months of there we moved to uh, Karbala Iraq same same mission uh, bigger city uh, Karbala Iraq was much larger than where we were same type of stressor and um, so on then on October 16th of 2003, um, I get into a, uh, I'm involved in a firefight. Um, it's about 200 of them against about 30 of us. It's in the middle of the streets of Karbala, three-story buildings on both sides of us. Um, we're just getting hell rained on us, essentially. Um, three of my fellow soldiers die in this firefight. Um, my battalion commander at the time, he was the highest ranking individual to be killed, a lieutenant colonel got killed in this firefight along with uh, two other great uh, sergeants and uh, my best friend, he was in this, got shot three times. So here I am, you know, just running around dealing with the drama of this firefight, the stress, um, finish up the deployment. Um, Cause, and the thing is, you know, once you are involved in these firefights, you go through, you go through a, you know, you, you have a memorial service there on your camp for them, for those individuals. Um, but you never really deal with it because you got to go right back to work. You got to go right back to fighting the fight. You know, the, the, the enemy has a say and the enemy doesn't care. And so we go back to doing our thing. And, um, so 
continue through this deployment. Um, I finally redeploy in uh, April of 2004, um, get back to America, and um, immediately I get put on orders to be a drill sergeant. And um, so I go to drill sergeant school, high pressure, high intense uh, situation, a lot of pressure on you to graduate drill sergeant school. Um, it's, uh, it's like going through basic training all over again, except you've been in the army at this point for six, seven years. And so, uh, there's a different kind of stress there, a lot of memorization and whatnot. Um, graduate drill sergeant school, report to uh, drill sergeant duty at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And, um, I, uh, as soon as I hit the ground there, we, this is during the influx in the army. So we're building up for the, the, uh, for the. 2005, 2006, there was a big ramp up in the, in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so we're having to train all these young soldiers. So it's just flooded with privates. I mean, we're training a ton of soldiers, high stress, high pressure. You're putting them through a lot of training, but it's literally, I'm working from six in the morning. Well, I'm going to say five in the morning, but I'm up at four in the morning. So five in the morning, I'm, I'm, I'm at work and we go until the sun goes down nine o'clock at night, put them to bed, go home fall asleep on the couch most most of the time get up the next morning zero four and go do it again and you're doing this six seven days a week and um to the point where okay we would we would train a, a basic training class for for uh back then it was nine weeks i, be, I believe um might have been 10 I, I can't remember exactly but um we would literally graduate on a friday new class would fill on that following monday and it would start all over again and um so we were doing this over and over and over. So all of, so I get there, I get to drill sergeant duty the end of 2004, all of 2005, this is going on, train, 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 high intensity, pressure, pressure. And I'm telling you this for a reason because, so if you go back to, I'm a recruiter and as a recruiter, I'm like 22 years old. It's high stress, high pressure. I'm working a ton of hours every week. Um, and it's pretty Board Campbell, and now I deploy time and time again, high pressure, high stress. Um, you know, every day you're you're going outside the wire, and you don't know what's going to happen. Come back, boom! Now I'm a drill sergeant. Train, 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 train. Well, then, come about March of 2005, it just stopped. There were no soldiers to train. Um, they had done their build up, this this giant build up. And now it was, they put a cutoff to it practically. And um, so I remember going to work and they were like, hey, we don't have a, we graduated, a, we call them cycles. We graduated a cycle of soldiers and there's not another one to train. And um, at first you're like, heck yeah, we finally get a break, right? Like, this is awesome. And um, so for the, probably the first week or two, I thought this is great. And um I, I was single at the time, lived by myself in an apartment. Um, we would literally go to work in the morning about eight, eight o'clock, show up, get accountability. All right, everybody, you're accounted for, go home. I would go home and I would sit there and I would have nothing to do. And uh, I mean, I'd play my PlayStation or whatever. Um, but after about two weeks of this, it was like my brain didn't know what to do with itself. And I'm just staring at the wall in my apartment and thinking to myself, 
I have no clue what to do. I would, We're, and, and this, it got to the point. Go ahead. I'm sorry. This started what year, and and now you're to the point where there's nothing in 2005. Where, what so, year exactly was the very beginning? When right. You're so I'm a I'm a recruiter. Like the beginning of 2000. Right. right. So from okay. about 2000 to 2005. So now you're 27 life, and nothing. Well, I'm 23 at that point, right? Uh huh. Um. Well, yeah. So I'm. Yeah. No, you're right. So in 2005. I'm now you're 27 years old with like yeah. nothing to do. Yeah. And, After um, from from basically 18 to 27, you were balls to the wall 24 seven. Generally, yeah. I mean, those yeah. first couple of years, probably not. But definitely from 2000 to 2005, I'm just go, go, go. You know, yeah. there's something for me to always do. I'm just, and it's high pressure, high stress, constantly mm. brain turned on, brain turned on, brain turned on. Yeah. You know, we so talk just hyper vigilant for that long. Absolutely. Yeah. And being deployed, like we talk about soldiers that deploy, when they come back from deployment, we call it decompression. We have to give them the opportunity to decompress from. You don't realize it because you're living it every day, but you're constantly on alert. Whether you're mm -hmm. on base camp or you're mm -hmm. leaving the wire going out into sector, you know, you're still hyper vigilant. And so mm -hmm. now you get back to the States, you know, and I, I hell, when I first redeployed, I remember driving down the road and my best friend's in the truck with me and we're driving down the road and there's some trash on the side of the road and I move over. He's like, hey, brother, it's not going to blow up, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's not what my brain says, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so like I said, come 2005, all of a sudden, it just stopped mm. and it was like my brain didn't know what to do with itself and i was like in this depressive state right and i'm a normally a, a pretty jovial guy mm. um and i'm in the army and in 2005 the army isn't the army that it is today mm -hmm. and so you're not going to work and telling anybody anything hey i'm i'm depressed hey yeah. i'm, I'm right. staring at the wall of my apartment thinking I would rather be dead than sitting here right now. Yeah. And that was my battle every day, man. I'm just, I mean, I can, it's, it's almost, it's so hard for me to sit there and, and think about it and think, gosh, how come I'm that depressed? But I'm telling you, mm -hmm. I would just sit there and, and stare at the wall <clears throat> and not know what to do with myself. And I'm, I would be just, anxiously tight and and just you can't even explain to someone that has never been that depressed what that depression is right like so, you can't i i i know like in your your backstory and everything you're leading up to where you know you're basically suicidal right i mean you're absolutely. that depressed right absolutely. and i've been I, I was i was there at a point in my life i was, I was a young kid but uh, I was so afraid. I, I was like coming to grips with death in general. And I got to where I was so afraid of death that I was ready to kill myself to avoid being afraid of it. Anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, is yeah. that kind of that mentality, like kind of where you're going? Like that kind of, um, just I don't that know. Low? I just, I, it's hard to explain. Like I, I would just sit on my couch and stare at the wall and go, I, I can't sit here, but I knew I didn't want to be dead. Yeah, you don't really want to be. Right. right. But you want to be but, done. But there's <laughs> almost anything that you would do to get out of that 
yeah. You, there's almost anything you would do to get out of that situation. <laughs> yeah, right I, I just right. want to be done with this. Yeah, whatever right. this right. is, I, I want to be done with it. I know that sitting here on my couch sucks, and yeah. I know yes. that, that having, and I know that my brain is Ooh. frenetically going at 100 miles an hour inside, but there's nothing to entertain it. Yeah. Right? And and I, like I said, you know, you can't tell anybody because you're in the army. The the as I told oh, Chris on the phone, like I'm probably yeah. in the most testosterone filled profession in the world, mm-hmm, right? Sure. Um, and and you're not you can't in that era you couldn't go and tell somebody hey the word toxic didn't exist nobody was right that around you know yeah um, and so um, so what I will tell and so I think here's a key takeaway Um, so bottom line is this lasted for a few weeks Mm. right we didn't have anything to we didn't have soldiers to train I'm literally going to work at eight o'clock I'm home by eight thirty dreading that fuck, i gotta go home like I'm, I'm not doing anything right but i can't tell anybody at work hey this really sucks i'd rather really rather be at work all day because you you can't mm-hmm. and um so luckily um i and and this is where you know like when you look at i think this is the key takeaway is that when you look at Lindsay and her her podcast and what her triggers are and what her issues were. Right. I have another good friend. Her name's Chelsea Porterfield. She is our first class retired in the army, mm-hmm. badass mm-hmm. soldier. She had her own mental health issues, but they're, they're different. They're, they're, they're different drivers of what caused her issues versus what caused my issues. I think that's a key thing for people to understand is that everybody's issue, mental health, the trigger, it's not the same for everybody. You can't box it, right? You can't, you can't go. Hey, you have problems? Well, go to mental, go to go to behavioral health, and they'll they'll fix it. Well, no, because that's I will tell you right now, behavioral health doesn't fix me, right? Mm-hmm. I had to I had to figure it out. One, I was kind of forced to because that era, sure, um, I couldn't go to behavioral health. I could have, but I, but you weren't going to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you didn't yeah. want anybody, to, you want, you, you might've win if nobody would know about it. And, and but, they were but then is it even really working if you're ashamed of it the whole time? Right. 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 And they yeah. just started a program where I can go anonymously and they still have the program. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the real takeaway here is like you said, Bill, like, why does it need to be so secretive? Right. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think what we have to do is, and what I've, so here's what I will tell you. Before I tell you what I think and kind of where I went with it once I figured it out, right? Mm -hmm. So here I am, depressed out of my mind. Brain doesn't know what to do with itself. I got to do something. Luckily, I was self-aware enough to know that I needed to do something. And so one day, I'm sitting in my apartment, and I said, I've got to get out of my apartment. I've got to go do something. And... I actually went and took ballroom dancing lessons. <laughs> Absolutely. By yourself? And I did. Um, so what I did, I don't, I don't even know why this came up, but I'm like, I'm going to go do ballroom dancing. And so I looked oh online. My God, so now keep in mind that, that Fort Jackson is right outside of Columbia, South Carolina, right? Uh-huh. Major city. And so I looked up, I, I, I don't even remember why or how that came up, but sure enough, <laughs> At the local YMCA, they do. Um, they were doing these free ballroom dancing lessons, and I'm like, I'm going. 
So I had to convince myself mentally to get in my truck and drive to the YMCA, right? Because you got to kind of now I got to hype myself up like, this is good. Get out. Go do it. Yeah, yeah. I did. And I'm telling you right now, man, I drove down to the YMCA in Columbia, South Carolina. I walk in there and it's a and it's a bunch of old people. Now, when I say old, I'm at the time, I'm, you know, 26 years old. And these people are in their 40s or 50s. So I'm thinking they're old. Now I'm 40 and I don't think it's old. Right, right. Right, exactly. But I I remember walking in and um this and I'm and I walk in and they're kind of doing this circle, they have a circle of people, and this lady looks at me and she's like, Can I help you? And I'm like, I'm just here to learn how to dance. And she's like, Oh, okay. And she's really confused because I'm totally way younger than the rest of them. Yeah, and nobody comes by themselves probably. Right, right. right. You know, I one, why is this dude here by himself? And two, he's in his this is could be creepy. Could be creepy. Yeah. And so she's like, um, okay, well you can partner right over here. So like she lays me over, partners me up. I went ballroom. I went to ballroom dancing lessons three times a week for about a month. And, um, and then, um, we picked back up to training. And so I just Uh got back into working. Right. Um, but here's the takeaway to that to this day, those people at that YMCA have no idea why I was there or that they saved my life. No yeah. idea. You should look them up. Look some of them I up. know, I know. <laughs> but, uh, Come so- on, Mildred, remember when we do see dud So I, so I, 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 I kind of figure out what my, what my trigger is, right? My trigger is stagnation. Yeah, idle hands being the devil's playground, so to speak. Yes, I have to stay busy. But I also know that if I get too busy, it can drive me into a, into a, you know, like it's a fine balance. Overdrive. Overwhelming. And become overwhelmed. um, Yes. And, um, and believe me when I tell you that there are multiple times where I have conversations with uh, my wife and I'm like, hey, I'm in a funk. And she knows, like, I have no issue being open with her about it. And and I'm like, hey, I'm in a funk, and this is why. Either I'm too right. over hyped up, or I'm, I'm I don't have enough going on. And she'll, hey, let's let's well, look at this. Well, why don't you sit down and, like, for an example, now I'm retired from the army. I manage a woodworking laser engraving company in Southeast mm-hmm. Iowa, and my brother-in-law and I own this company. He does all the work. I just manage the projects. But there are times where I just am like, have so much going on. And she's like, just sit down and write it out, you know, like write all your stuff out. And then you realize it's really not that, but I'll run it over my head a thousand times to the point that it becomes overstimulating. Right. Mm-hmm. I write it out. I do. And then I'm like, okay, it's not as much as it looks. Right. So, um, so what I will tell you is I figured it out back in 05. I went and got my own help. I fixed myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then from there I left, I went to Fort Riley, Kansas. Now I'm a, I'm a leader of 40 soldiers. I'm what's called a platoon sergeant. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be open about my struggles. I'm going to tell people I've been there. Right. And, um, that's what I did from that day forward was I was, my goal was to be as open as I could in this world of the army of the military um, to say, Hey, I've been there. I've struggled with mental health and everybody's not the same. 
the trigger for everyone's not the same. The fix Treatment. for everyone's not the same. Right. Right. You know, I mean, for me, like yeah. I said, counseling doesn't, doesn't help, but counseling for you might help. Counseling for the next, for, you know, it, it's just, and I think that's key, right? So then from there, I, um, I uh, became a, I got promoted to sergeant or first sergeant. I was a first sergeant. Um, so I, now I'm in charge of 150 people and deployed to Afghanistan. Um, but this was in 2012. I was deployed all of 2012 to Afghanistan. Um, had a soldier die, had another soldier get blown up. Um, once again, more stressors. And, um, and then, um, then I got promoted to Sergeant major. So as a Sergeant major, I'm in charge of thousand soldiers. But the one thing that I always wanted to make sure of was that I was wide open with my mental health struggles. And I always have said that, um, that, if we can get our at our level to be open about it, then we're going to help the next level. Right. It's. And so, and I'll tell you this. So um, I, I have been to mental health. I, when I say counseling doesn't help me, I have mm -hmm. been to counseling for at, at different points in, in, in my career. And I'll tell you that. Um, so when I was at my retired out of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and when mm -hmm. I was there, I started a campaign called the Choose to Live campaign because I'm a firm believer that suicide is a choice. Um, there comes a day where every single one of those people that kills themselves makes a choice. They either choose to live or they choose to die. And I was at that point in 2005. I sat on my couch and said, I don't want to sit here on my couch anymore. I can either kill myself. Or I can go take ballroom dancing lessons. <laughs> this is my favorite fucking thing I've ever heard. Now, now understand. I don't know how to ballroom. To this day, I don't know how to ballroom dance anymore. But, but at that moment, that saved my life. Right. That's, That's what you needed. Awesome. That, exactly. Just those crazy little tiny things. I mean, at the right, it's it's all about timing. Usually, you know comes at the right time happens at the right time i love that so much that, that was the thing that you just i'm gonna go take ballroom dance lessons like oh my god and you don't remember at all what put that in a dream uh uh something was on tv i mean what put that in your brain i have no idea I don't, I don't know. I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I, it was so long ago. I have no idea. What Did it get you your wife? No, no. Like, no, oh, no, this my, guy could, this guy no, could cut no. a rug. <laughs> no, I met, she's a, she's from Iowa, but I met her in Kansas years later. And, uh, but, but like I said, so the thing that, that I think more important takeaways, especially if veterans watch this, cause they grew up in the same environment or, athletes that grow up in this oh you got to be tough you know um is that um you know i'm a firm believer one in the the mentality of choose to live you have to choose to live and i think that's key and um and then once you you have to go figure out how to get over that whatever that mental issue is right and it's different for everybody um but i'm a firm believer and the and the so at Fort Leonard Wood, there's posters of me all over the installation. I'm a sergeant major. I'm the top of the food chain for those that don't understand how 
the rank structure in the army works, right? So I can't, as a Sergeant Major, I couldn't be promoted anymore. I could, I could be laterally promoted by position, right? But there's no, I'm an E9, there's no E10 in the army. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I say that because I, I want people to understand that I'm, I put myself out there as a, as a Sergeant Major to say, hey, there's a poster of me that says, as a staff sergeant, I battled my, my own issues with mental health. I chose to live. And they're all over the installation. One day I go to, I go to counseling. I'm going to mental health. One, one day it's in the, it's in the hospital. I go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm standing, there's a line you stand behind to wait to check in. And um, this soldier, he's a private, brand new soldier in the army. Start, he's like walking by me, but he's like staring at me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why is this private staring at me? Really strange, right? And he just stops. And he's like, Sergeant Major? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I just want to tell you that I'm here because of you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, I saw your poster in my dining facility. And I figured if they could help you, then they could help me. And I'm like, this is what it's all about, yeah, right? I like, this it. is yeah. what it's all about. So ultimately, I wound up going out to Washington, D.C. There's a video. The Army has me on their suicide prevention website of a video of me telling my story, kind of what I've told you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so I'm just a firm believer and advocate of I wish that I, I wish I had the power and the influence to take the choose to live mentality and go apply it to billboards around america get celebrities right because i think there's value in that even for the civilian side like choose to live and and these celebrities these these superstar people that you know just like i did as a sergeant in in the army world people are seeing a sergeant major on a poster going oh wow like this is a sergeant major on this poster saying yeah people forget that's like a whole a whole town or whatever wherever you are our own world (laughs) yeah so it's like you're the governor you know right yeah, I'm the celebrity, yeah. right? The yeah, fact, yeah, yeah. The fact that a sergeant made him want to say that <laughs> yeah. and put himself like you don't out know, there. you don't know him, what? right? I mean, it's right, it's, yeah. and there's multiple of us on the installation, but the fact that I'm willing to at that rank say that mm. should it influences others to be like, oh, well, hell, I can I can tackle that too, you know? Um, and I would tell anybody, whether it's military, civilian couple things that I preach is one, choose to live Two, you have to make you, we have to make counseling the first option, stop making it the last option. Because I think that's yep. a big problem. That's right? a great, that's a great way to right. put it. Yeah. Do that first. Well, then, if we yeah. make counseling normal, then right. it's not so taboo, but here's right. the other thing that, that so, so they're getting a physical every so often right whatever yes you know? yes yeah. like you'll hear from people say this happens in the military a lot i don't know so much about the civilian um environment you know sector i guess i'll call it i'm trying not to speak too military here but <laughs> that's um, okay but um oh 400 hours we'll read yeah, up on yeah. that <laughs> but um but i, I think um sometimes mm-hmm. what happens so in the military you'll hear people say I got kicked out of the army because I went to mental health. Oh, wait a minute. What, what do you mean you got you got kicked out because you went to mental health? Well, right. as we peel the onion back, we start to get the layers of the story. You know, we, we peel that onion open. 
it really comes down to, well, I was battling mental health for this long. And it got to the point that I finally went to mental health. Whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't get kicked out because you went to mental health. You got kicked out because you were so far down the path of being mentally, I, I guess, broke is the only word I can come up with. It's a bad well, word. Just, but, well, to make it look basically to make you look unstable before you went in there to where like you're getting into trouble. Your mental health problems are getting you in trouble. If we had tackled and you waited until up. after you got in trouble to go to right. counseling. Like you're you, so far down yeah. the path of, of you're so like, far down the path of mental health issues that we right. can't keep you in the force anymore. It's just not how the, the army, the, the military structure. It's a life right. and death thing. Right. People, and yeah. so most jobs aren't life and death. Like that's a conversation I would have with people a lot is, Hey, if you put mental health as your first option instead of your last option, and if we made it the more normal, then, um, then we, you wouldn't have got, you most likely wouldn't have been kicked out of army, but you made it your last option. Stop doing that. Stop right. making mental health the last option. Another way for me to equate it is in, in the army, Every Monday, we do equipment maintenance. Every Monday, we go to the motor pool and we do preventive maintenance checks and services on our vehicles, right? Every Monday, you're in the motor pool, start them up, drive them around, make sure they don't have oil leaks, check the tires, all that, right? And then in the afternoon, we would go draw our weapons out of the arms room, clean them, functions check them, make sure they work, right? Doesn't matter if we haven't touched them in forever we know they were good last monday guess what you're checking them this monday mm. right okay i tell you that because one of my mantras is and and you can apply it outside of the military is my one of my mantras but for soldiers is treat your weapon or treat your brain like it's your most important weapon and do your weapons maintenance mm -hmm. regularly right. yeah yeah, because 100%. when we don't, right? When we don't check the vehicle every week, or mm -hmm. we don't check the arm, the the weapon. That's when it arm, blows up. Right. That's when it breaks now down. We, to, yeah. we head out to the range. Truck breaks down. Get to the get to the range. Weapon breaks down. Why? Well, we haven't pulled it out of the arms room in a month. Well, why mm -hmm. should we? This is why. So, that's one of my things: is choose to live, make, um, uh, maintain your brain. That's another. You know, I think it's an easy one to remember. Maintain your brain and mm -hmm. treat your brain like it's your most important weapon and do your weapons maintenance. Mm -hmm. And like those that. are what I kind of push to the, cause mm -hmm. I, I have a lot of connective tissue still with the military environment. Sure. Um, those are the mantras that I try to push to them. And I think that they can still be applied across the board, whether you're in the military or not, you can still take that same mentality and make counseling first. Well, like on a, on like a macro level, it just goes back to the class. It, it's about staying out in front of things. And like, absolutely. If, if the military does anything first and foremost is they try to stay out in front of things. So like, and, and that's what we're all trying to do. It's kind of like, um, it, it, it's like a using you, people always apply it to f manual labor and physical things. It's that, the story of the grasshopper that watches the ants work all summer and then is freezing in the winter while the ants are partying or whatever. Right. Like it's that old story. You can 
ridiculously apply that to almost every facet of life. Just that simple grasshopper and ant story. Almost 100%. And, sure. and there's super value. I, like, I love this podcast. And when I saw it pop up, I'm, I'm friends with Lindsay on Twitter and on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And her and I have had some conversation about some collaboration of some mental health stuff in the past. And I saw this pop up because this right here, the, the willingness to just talk openly about it. Mm -hmm. And obviously this generation in America has gotten better. Don't be fooled in the army. There's a lot of people that have mental health problems and they hide it. Still, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in the military that are, that have a negative stigma about it, but that stigma is changing every day. And it's because of people like, like this podcast, like me, like Lindsay. Um, I know that you had another gentleman on a comedian. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, don't know his name, but the Tim movies. Okay. Yeah. So we got to get that message out there and we got sure. to find those people that are willing because at the end of the day, I'm not crazy. I mean, I went right. from being, a, I went from a, from a staff sergeant who was depressed mm. to a sergeant major in the army. So mm. obviously there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. You were high functioning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but in that moment I had my issue and, sure. and, and the same can be said for many other people. Uh, to include your past past guests, like they confronted their issue and look mm -hmm. at them now successful. Um, mm -hmm. So I just I think it's important for people to understand that this it's not the end of the world if you if you address it appropriately. Go go take ballroom dancing lessons. Hell, I I one hundred percent agree. And a lot of like I think that because my struggle was always anxiety. I've okay. gone through different times in my life where anxiety and depression kind of went hand in hand, mm -hmm. but. The root of it all is pretty much anxiety since I was 12, 13 years old. But I was able to, my mom, thank God, took me took me to counseling right away. I mean, she, I, it was never a stigma in my house. Like, I was never made to feel like I was crazy or anything. Totally normal. I do remember <clears throat> always saying that I had a doctor's appointment when I left school, I never said I was going to the shrink, you know, right. but now I do. Now I tell people that's what I'm doing. And I see yeah. more and more people doing the same thing. And that's great. Um, but I've, I found, and this is obviously I'm 44 years old now. And so this has been something I've been dealing with since I was a kid. And I had long periods of time. I probably went 15 or 16 years without any type of panic attack, real anxiety issue, just, you know, real small things, but then bam, it comes back and hits you again. But I do believe these things can be used to our advantage. They can be a tool in a way like, you know, anxiety to me, it's made me a deeper thinker. It makes me go more into it's what made part, part of me being a stand up comic comes from anxiety. Like, because of everything that I think about, like major shit to most people doesn't make me nervous. I get nervous about mundane shit. And mm -hmm. that's that works to my advantage. Just like probably in the military, that shit can work to your advantage because it'll slow time down for you. It'll every, you know, in those in those big firefights, you know, it, it's like in slow motion for you mm -hmm. because the fucking dishes drove you crazy. But for yep. some reason, bullets flying around, you're just calm as shit, you know? <laughs> I mean, right. that's kind of, that's what I no, equated right. to. I mean, is that, was that your experience? I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
I can tell you, like, so the, the main firefighter I told you about in Afghanistan, mm. I can tell you the most minute details of that firefight, right? But there are things that, there's things in my life that I couldn't tell you anything about, you know? And same thing, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I can tell you from the time I grabbed a hold of a guy that was in a truck and, you know, looked at the driver and the driver stared at me and I'm like, who is this? And he told me the guy's name and I'm like, just get out. I mean, like the detail. Every right? single little thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's kind of weird, but that's just how it's it not though. I mean, you, it's, not. It, it's another thing that you don't really, it's, you almost don't want to say it out loud because it sounds morbid, but, mm -hmm. but it's so not morbid. It's just the wiring. It's, like we talked about that hypervigilance, people have no fucking idea how exhausting that is. Yep. And so obviously I can't compare uh stand-up comedy to being in war, <laughs> but I'm gonna real quick. So when I'm going <laughs> into battle, no, I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> but um, often on, I've talked about this to other comics. Like it's kind of a green room conversation. I've had a lot. Cause I like seeing if other guys feel the same, uh, like on two show nights a lot, the second show, I don't even want to do it most of the time. Like I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And literally all I did was tell jokes for most of the time, 30 minutes tops, 45 minutes. Right. And now I got to do another 30 to 45 minutes and I don't want to do it. Cause I'm exhausted. And I talked to other comics about this. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I've worked manual labor when I was, I mean, I've done, this shouldn't be exhausting to me. Half the reason I do this is to, so that I don't physically exhaust myself. And that's what it is. It's hypervigilance because when I'm on stage, I'm having five conversations in my head that nobody else hears. I'm noticing every little thing that's going on in the room, you know, just like a, maybe a hostage would. You know, a, a guy who's trained guy, get a POW gets trained to notice all this shit about his captors. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing where you're just, I'm always aware. And, and that's what it is. That hypervigilance is exhausting and multiply that with obviously your life's on the line. I can't imagine it, for years, <laughs> daily for years, basically. <laughs> Yeah, that's insane to me. I mean, I'm just, I get exhausted from playing with my dick for ten minutes. It's crazy. <laughs> okay, this is a good time for a break. Uh, oh, we haven't gone to commercial yet. We haven't went to commercial yet, but I do want to come back and talk about this exhaustion thing because I, I wonder if, I wonder if, by the exertion that you do in your job, and this is a question for both of you, that downtime that you were talking about, Jason if that's what makes it worse. So let's let's take a break and then I want to come back and follow up with that question. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the Taylors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa or 
Find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. All right, and we're back. So before that, we were talking about um, just your hyper uh, vigilance in both your jobs mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Jason, you talked about uh, the biggest trigger for you or one of your triggers was just downtime and not, not having anything to do. And I have found that that's kind of for me too. Uh, I There are times where, especially these last few months when I haven't been working and been by kind of by, kind of by myself and not doing anything or being around anybody that there's been times where my wife's come home and she's like, what's the matter? And I was like, I don't know what's the matter. I just feel sad and I can't tell you why. Do, do you think that because you were so hyper vigilant that when those downtimes were, it made it worse? Oh, no doubt. I mean, um, you know, it was the sudden, it really just came to, you know, I'm a firm believer that you have to exercise your brain. Right. And when you're constantly in this hypervigilance and then, like I said, for me, everything just stopped and I'm going to work for a half hour a day, then my brain was unhealthy. It didn't now the hypervigilance probably isn't healthy either. Let's be honest. Right. Not but at, at was, least not for the extended of amount of time. Yeah. But, yeah. It, but, but for me at the time, that was the norm, you know, it's also young, survival. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm, I'm in my twenties. I'm, you know, you know, now You're supposed like said, to work this hard. Right. Right. Yeah. Now <laughs> hell, hypervigilance, the hypervigilance is just as unhealthy as the, the lack of vigilance, yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no doubt um, that just the, the stop in my brain going, I don't know what to do. I'm just bored and and my brain wants to keep working and working and working no doubt fed to depression and that depression just you know and that how do you get how do you get out of it you know mm-hmm. i i tell people especially dealing with young soldiers and you could probably equate this to a college kid to be honest with you um so young soldiers live in barracks right like a college dorm right mm-hmm. it's very similar um and so they're in a room, they have a roommate. And when I was a young soldier, um, you know, I always try to tell people this, we lived on this kind of a level right here, right? Just imagine this is normal. And we're living in our barracks room, we're playing Nintendo, whatever. On the weekends, we're going out with all our buddies, partying it up, having a good time, whatever, right? And then some negative event would happen in my life. And I would, girlfriend would break up with me or whatever, right? And so then I would drop to a depressed state, right? Well, what would I do when I was in that depressed state? I'd walk down the hallway. I'd tell my buddy, oh, man, my girlfriend broke up with me, whatever. And they would be like, oh, don't worry about it. Let's go out and party. And so we'd go out and party, and you come back to this level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think that I believe that the problem with today's world is people don't live here. They live at a depressed state. That's just the, that's society today. Right. So here's what happens now is this is they're living at a depressed state. That's the ceiling. And that's the ceiling is yeah. depression, right? Yeah. Is this, this mm-hmm. loneliness playing on my Nintendo, whatever. Well, so they're here and then 
but they're in their room playing Nintendo even more. We're more of an individualistic society. We're on the internet. We're on our phone. We're on a, on a play on a gaming system of some sort. Mm. And so then a catastrophic event happens. Then what? Then they go here. Well, how do they come out of here? Well, they don't. And that's where we run into problems. I think the, the a big problem in society is that because we don't go down the hallway and tell our buddy or call someone on the phone and they're like, ah, screw it. Let's go out and party or whatever. Right. They continue to play on their PlayStation system or on you know their gaming system. And just and stew so on it. Never, mm. They never and come out. To isolate and continue to isolate themselves. Yes, and, and, th- and that's that's a big part ahead. of it. I, I I can remember Caitlin, my uh, second oldest. We would constantly talk to her as a freshman. She was living in Helzer Hall at Iowa State, and we were like, you know, you haven't met anybody. You haven't. Done? She's like, no, we just sit in our room all the time. We don't, you know, nobody, nobody opens their doors and talks to, to anybody anymore. They don't do that anymore, dad. They don't do that anymore. And my wife and I were like, that's, that's, that's how we coped. Just, yep. just to your point, you know what I mean? We would go down to our buddy's room and sit in there and bitch and moan, or, you know, we'd go get lunch together or whatever else. Kids these days, I don't think do that. That, no. you, you, that just nailed it for me. I figured it out. I figured out where the ballroom dancing came into your head. It was right around that time. It was it was right around when Dirty Dancing was popular. No, that song came out, and it was that uh, you broke my heart because I couldn't dance. I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised. And I chick broke up with you because you couldn't dance. I've never watched um, the show (laughs) Dancing with the Stars. I've never watched that. yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if if it didn't start around that time. Maybe that was what sparked my interest. Oh yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, but I, like I said, I've never watched the show. Right. But I feel like but maybe commercial... back then is when it came out or started, and so I yeah. On. But you're like, but holy yeah, so... shit, Adam Carolla's on there. I can totally ballroom dance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Chris. <laughs> like, if you don't, I, I think it's it's like I said. There's a there's multiple issues here when we talk about depression. Mm-hmm. which is what I can talk about. Um, and that is that we don't make it a forefront conversation. Um, and for me, hypervigilance, undervigilance, like a, a lack of stimulation mm-hmm. in life causes me to get depressed. And so, but on the flip side, too much causes me to get depressed too. Cause then it's like over. Do you think maybe the right word for you would be purpose? instead of stimulation um like like because that's where the to me the happy medium is because yes whatever if if you if you feel like every everything you're doing or like every day at least you have a purpose yeah i don't maybe yeah like you could maybe just work a half hour that day and not feel like shit because you had purpose yeah yeah i mean in reality i mean uh, 24 years in the army. Um, I, um, you were serving a higher purpose all the time. It was something bigger than all the time. From the time I was 21 years Mm -hmm. old, I'm a leader of something, right? I'm a, Mm -hmm. I'm a team leader. So I'm leading two soldiers and then, and I'm always able to influence them. See right there, June 1st. So (laughs) Travis, Travis Googled that. I guarantee it. Yeah. There's probably, uh, or he's a super fan. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't think Travis is a super fan of. He's, yeah, he, he's the super fan. Um, but there was probably commercials out back. Who knows? Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if that was right. But but I don't disagree with you um, on the 
on the purpose part of it because that's that's a struggle with retiring from military leaders. Uh, I have mm-hmm. this conversation with leaders all the time. They're like, "Hey, I'm retiring. What's my purpose now? How am I going? You know, I've been influencing, and, and believe me when I like, if you've never been in the military, like believe me when I tell you, the level of leadership that we have to give people, like I'll give you an example. Um, one time, my wife, uh, there was a, a person at her job that got a DUI. And she's like, oh, so-and-so got a DUI over the weekend. And it's kind of this conversation around work. But I'm like, so what do they do about it? And she's like, nothing. They better be at work on Monday. And I'm like, (laughs) holy crap, man. In my world, I would have been like, I have to go pick them up at the police station. I have to get them enrolled into ASAP, which is alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's like, right. uh, yeah, once you get a DUI, that automatically makes you an alcoholic, and they have to treat you like that. <laughs> well, we have like we have to enroll you into ASAP, yeah, exactly. which is like Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous, but it's a treatment program. But um, I have to like, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I'm concerned with every single soldier's every single moment, every minute of their day. I am their their parent, and I and and um, and so that's the problem with a lot of people when they when they retire, especially retire from the army, like. What's my purpose? And I, I just had this conversation a couple months ago with a with a lady that was retiring, and she's like, "I'm just nervous about my purpose." I'm like, "Hey, you still have the power of influence." I talk mm. to soldiers every day. I get a phone call from somebody saying, "Hey, what do you think I should do?" They're offering me this assignment. Hey, I want to pursue, it. and they're asking me because I just because I retired doesn't mean all of a sudden I became stupid about you know the, the system. <laughs> Right. And the system has changed since I, hell, I've been retired for two years, but it's changed a little bit, but it doesn't mean I'm dumb about it. And, right. and I still have connections in the network. And, and so, um, so yeah, like purpose is probably, it, it's, it's a, a better word for sure. Um, so, and even now, like managing this comp, this, um, woodworking and lasering company in Southeast Iowa, gives me purpose every day you know mm-hmm. um and uh like i said i don't i i full-time travel in my rv so i don't get to do a lot of the work but mm-hmm. my management of those projects definitely makes it easier for my brother-in-law to do the work mm-hmm. and um, that that's my purpose every day you know yeah. so no doubt i gotta have something or i just sit there and i'm just like a fidgety mess right yeah <laughs> well and it's funny because i <laughs> I guess I always kind of went the opposite direction. Um, I remember right away, you know, my dad was, you know, big about it too. You know, it was like the adults around me were, well, you got to stay busy. You got to stay busy. So your mind isn't race. Well, it's like, you know, I can't, I can't stay busy all the time. I need to be able to relax and have my brain not fight with me. Like, that's pretty necessary, I think, for my long-term health. And I was thinking that in, like, junior high. <laughs> uh-huh. And so, like, I was always all about, I I mean, a big reason I did stand-up uh, for a living was because, like, I don't want to fucking have to be busy all the time. I want to, like, I'll write jokes. I'll go have, everything will be fun. I can just, everything can be fun. And then, and then, of course, you you find out there's business involved and it's not all, you know, (laughs) sunshine and rainbows and you're not fucking partying and blowing horns all the time, but it's still a hell of a lot better than what most people have to do. But like, um, it's just, 
it's one of those things for me where that hypervigilance happens for me in those small moments when I'm on stage, but it's not enough to when the second show starts, I'm not, I don't feel that way anymore. You know, the, that little bit of adrenaline kicks in, I'm back to work. It's autopilot, you know? Um, but for those 45 minutes to an hour in between shows, I could take a nap. Like it wouldn't even, <laughs> I could go home and go to bed till the next day at that point. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I do remember, <laughs> uh, my son's mom at one point when we were married, uh, I remember her coming home one day cause she, you know, she went to work. We used to fight because I'd be like, what are you jealous? You know, like it wasn't like I I was paying the bills. I mean, <laughs> and she came home one day and was like, uh, you're the only person I know that can surround the house all day, do absolutely nothing and not feel totally worthless. And I'm like, because if I sat around all day, I've accomplished my goal. So I don't <laughs> feel worthless. my goal was to sit around all day. So really, I mean, it, it depends on what your goals are. I mean, if you're achieving your goals, you're a success. It's self-defined. I've always said that. It's all about perspective. <laughs> so, there we I go. mean, honestly, though, like I was very big on, and that's what my my counselor, uh, my the psychologist that I went to when I was that age, like seventh, eighth grade, that was what he was big on doing was helping me learn to relax. Like we do little like kind of dark room hypnosis technique type shit, you know, trying to just settle my brain down basically. Yeah. And then as time went on, I started kind of using it more to my advantage. Like I said, you know, thinking deeper and, you know, it makes me a better storyteller, all, all those things. So I try to I try to keep that in mind, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't get me sometimes. And that's where you, sometimes you got to just be okay with it. It just got you that day. <laughs> Well, but you, but you, but you survive the day, you know? Yeah. And, and I think one of the keys is knowing what it goes back to. Not everybody's in a box. Exactly. Right? Knowing what you find out, what works for you. Identify what mm -hmm. your, what your trigger is mm -hmm. and then be willing to notice it, address <laughs> it, change course to get off of it. Right. For, uh, yeah. you know, and that, and, and what, you know, if, if mine is making sure I'm somewhere in between that lack of purpose and too much going on. Right. Yours is making sure that you're just in that chill zone. You know, Chris's is probably different. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, but I think that's the key thing we have to, you have to preach to people is figure out what your thing is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you that's know? why we do this. We want yeah. to find out what yeah. everybody's tools are because I didn't come up with any of these things completely on my own. There were people who influenced my thought process at different times and then things accumulate. And so, you know, if somebody's struggling and they're watching this every week and there's a different story and there's different techniques, you know, I mean, we all believe in different things. I mean, Chris, you've Chris heard me say it a million times. I think everybody should try try eating shrooms try smoking weed i don't give a shit i think everybody should just throw it at the wall and see what sticks like if he, like a guy said earlier you know alcohol is a depressant so you're naturally going to be depressed you know it doesn't go well that's somewhat that's somewhat true but when you when you call different things stimulants versus depressants that is what that's based on what your reaction is Alcohol gets you more lethargic. 
That's why it's called a depressant. Uh, cocaine is called a stimulant because it makes you crazy. You run around or whatever, right? They're not hypervigilant. Yeah, hypervigilant. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Hitler was getting all those guys tweaking. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that that's kind of like my point. I just feel like everybody should, uh, I, I think creatives struggle often. You know, I think that, I think it's true that a lot of times I find myself, I mean, I like to drink. I like to have a good time. I go out and tie one on uh, like really well, like really tie one on to where I'm hung over the next day. I definitely feel shittier. I definitely feel, I like to call it anxiety. A buddy of mine kind of coined that term. Like you kind of feel kind of full of anxiety a lot of that day, but you know, I had a good time the night before. Like, so what, you know what I mean? But you can take that to a level and everybody's different. I got a buddy that needs to stay sober because he just can't, it changes him too much. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, there's just, everybody's different and you have to learn to respect everybody's process. Cause somebody's going to have, you're, we're all going to have something of value to say to somebody. I guarantee you if enough people watch this show at some point, somebody's going to eat some shrooms and come back and be like, dude, he was right. <laughs> oh, again this is always where i take the break at an awkward moment just to bring in our sponsor because this is the best time to bring in a sponsor right after right after an awkward moment why is the truth always awkward to you Chris? I know, it is it is i can't i, I can't handle the truth Goddamn uh, catholic i know jason we're going to take a break when we come back i want to talk about what you're doing now uh and then uh Bill usually gives me some homework uh, for the week. He never does but, it, but but I, I thought maybe anyway. maybe uh, you would give us some homework uh, oh. that we have to that we have to do for the next two weeks. So, oh, uh, now I'm going to turn into a battered woman on you. Oh, you do it for him. You'll do his homework. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Rob and Amanda, that we're going to bring in your ad now, but please go visit Brown Dogs Farms and all their great products, uh, and we'll be right back. Brown Dogs Farm are Norwalk, Iowa-made hot sauces and dressings. Brown Dogs Farm was born out of the dream to emulate the simple life of Rob's grandparents, who inspired him with their hard work and abundant gardens. Rob and Amanda set out to create a unique blend of fruit and pepper that would satisfy the part of the brain that craves great flavor without sacrificing the spice of the peppers. Sweet, but still packing heat. With combinations like jalapeno green apple, habanero peach, cherry rhubarb reaper, and other great flavor combinations, there is a spice and flavor that is right for any party or get-together. BDF also has homemade versions of their classic and spicy ranch that are one of a kind. You can order all of those and more online at www.browndogsfarm.com and ask your local grocery to stock up. And we're back. So, Jason, uh, why don't you tell us what you're doing now? Give us a little bit about uh, your business that you're running and uh, and how you uh, how you handle your days now. You you said you're traveling around in an RV. That sounds pretty nice. I do. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I, re I retired uh, two years ago um, after 24 years and 17 days in the Army. But who's counting? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, it was a great career. I loved being in the Army. I loved uh, – you know, having the influence that I did. Um, and now I just 
like you said, I uh, the day I got out of the army, my wife and I hit the road, and uh, so September first of 2020, right in the middle of COVID, it's crazy time to leave uh, and just start traveling, um, and we've been traveling ever since. So we have a, a 40 foot fifth wheel, um, and she works remotely for a, an accounting firm in Kansas, and um, we just travel the country. We first year we were in the southeast; it was COVID, and southeast was a little more friendly. Last year we went southwest and then out to the west, um, and then uh, this year we're running the east coast. So uh, I'm in I'm actually in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. But just last week I was in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I'll be here for about the next 10, 10 days, and then we'll uh, keep moving north. But the goal is we'll be in like Portland, Maine by um, August. And then we'll start working our way out. And then next year we're going to head out west again. There's some stuff we didn't do out west last year. So yeah, we just just travel full time, enjoy re- being retired. Um, but like I said, I uh, my brother-in-law and I we have a company called County Road Custom. Um, it's in Southeast Iowa. It's, uh, it's out on a county road, hence the reason the name. Um, in Kiasakwa, Iowa, very small town down in the southeast corner. And um, yeah, we just make a lot. We make 99% of what we make is well, I would even say a hundred now, hundred percent of what we make is custom. We do wavy wooden flags, 3d stacked crests. We can laser engrave, um, glassware. Um, I mean, you go to our, our Facebook page, which is County road custom. We have all kinds of stuff on there and a, a good chunk of our stuff is military related, but we do sheriff department stuff. We do college stuff. We do all kinds of stuff. So yeah, there's our website. There's some stuff on there. Um, some of our more popular items are on there, but if you go to our Facebook page, we have a ton of different things that we show that we that we can do. And like I said, it's all custom. So um, people ask us all the time to make cool stuff, and that's what we like to do. And and uh, our our um, our motto is stop buying boring. Um, so that's our goal is to not sell boring stuff. So yeah, it's um, but yeah, I just travel and enjoy retirement and. Uh, and I, uh, that County Road Custom gives me some purpose. <laughs> there you go. Well, and you're awesome. You know, you're, there you go. It, I think when you remove this, you also have removed the stress of having to be hyper vigilant every day, too. I mean, that's got to help. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, yes, there's a, uh, yeah, there's our Facebook page. We do a lot of, a lot of different stuff on there. Um, all that stuff is handmade by my brother in law. Um, so definitely some cool stuff we're doing there. Um, we last year or we made some uh, some big crate chess for um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, they gave them out to some uh, some social media influencers, mm-hmm. so we send those to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but uh, we make tumblers. We can custom laser engrave tumblers. Like I said, glassware, uh, decanters, whiskey glasses, all that kind of stuff. So. But yeah, uh, Sweet, I'll send you guys a bong. What's that? I'll send you guys a bong, and I'll have you engrave it. It might be tough. Um, but yeah, um, um, but yeah, no doubt. Being retired has definitely uh, relieved some stress. There is a lot of stress uh, being a leader in the in the military. Um, not to say there's not in any other world either. Just of like course, I tried to yeah. explain earlier is the level that we have to be, you know, and there's some bad press out there and how leaders are in the military. I, I 
I, I luckily didn't experience a lot of bad leadership and I feel like I was a good leader. And, um, and even to this day, I, it goes back to when I said like, what's your purpose when you retire? I think that the fact that people still reach out to me and ask for my input and mental health, talk to me about mental health. Hey, they know they can divulge their in, their issues to me. And I don't have the answers for everybody because I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but I'm, I'll listen and I can, and I, and, and I'll, you know, try to, and I'll give you the push to go get help. And, um, but the fact that those people still reach out to me two years after I'm still, after I'm retired, um, definitely, I think speaks volumes for, um, for the influence that, that you can have and that I mm -hmm. still do have. And that's what I kind of do in life now is still beat the drum for mental health for the military, um, beat the drum for, um, taking care of soldiers. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it leadership doesn't stop if you care about being a leader mm -hmm. and, and I care about being a leader and influencing and mentoring. And that's probably the biggest thing I miss is mentoring people. Um, but yeah. So, well, I, just, I mean, when you're, I'm as old as I'm as old as Bill, but I'm retired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I hey, retired I, when I, I was, I retired when I was 21, technically. <laughs> ask, his, ask his wife. Ask his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. God damn it, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I only have 13 more years. It's, you know, I right. I tend to look at my retirement fund and go, I don't know that 13 years is enough time. And then I think to myself, fuck, 13 years, that's a long time. It's a long time. It so, is. I just figure I can tell jokes until I keel over on stage. Hey, that and, shit ain't going anywhere. <laughs> there you go. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Denny's right, but <clears throat> yeah, and I, uh, I do think that uh, you know these conversations are important. I mean, it's the beauty of what we're doing here. Um, hopefully, I'm going to reach out next week, and hopefully, we will have a psychologist uh, next week, and we're going to um, take that hour and really dive into what's wrong with Chris. We're just going to spin that Good entire deal. episode. We're going to need just, more than an hour. Just drinking Chris's head. We're going to need and, more than an hour. Oh, I think I, it's going to be fantastic. There'll probably be some tears. Actually, I'm some, not that deep. It'll be Could some be the shaking. shortest episode we have. <laughs> hey, you know, I will, I will tell you this, Bill. And Chris, I don't know if you've ever been to counseling, so we have never had that conversation. But, um, but here's what here's something I will tell anybody watching: is the the hardest part about going to counseling is going to counseling. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I, and I'm taking telling the you step. As, go through the door. Yes. Just going through yeah, the door. I'm telling yeah. you that as a freaking soldier that's been to war four times, and mm -hmm. trust me, it was the hardest thing I ever did was walking through the door of that freaking clinic. To, to tell a doc, uh, you know, a, a psychiatrist that I had some issues. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but let me tell you, you go in there, you sit down with that. And it's, it's not always like you see on TV and laying on a couch, you know, yeah, like, no. don't get wrapped up in that. But, um, not that you know, I sat down in that chair and I started spilling my guts as a freaking SAR major in the United States army. And I'm mm -hmm. bawling my eyes out. But man, it was so relieving to just let that burden off of my brain and off Absolutely. of my chest. 
and I left there, so, you know, so much more relaxed and like, oh, like someone to just because they don't care. Like what I mean by they don't care, like they're, they're not, not going to judge you for your yeah, thoughts. Like, yeah, they just they're going to hear it and then they're going to see if there's a way to to, yeah. to look at it a different way or give you, you know. And so I just I, that's something I tell anybody that's watching this is the hardest part about going to counseling is going to counseling. Yeah. The moment you walk through that door, though, and you finally sit down in there and you just say, fuck it. I'm telling them everything and I'm just going to be a wide open book. Yeah, Matt, that's so, when it helps. I mean, you definitely. Yeah. Have, and I, I think a lot of people, a lot of the reasons counseling doesn't work for some people is that they aren't honest when they go in there. Right. Yep. And if you're not yep. honest and you don't spill it, it's not going to they can't help you. And, there yeah. and it's going to get dark. Exactly. You are not going to. There's Shock always going to be somebody that said something darker than you did. Right. Yeah. Like unless yeah. unless yeah. that counselor's diving out the window when you're done, I think you did okay. You know, but yep. I, um, no, I, I, I agree. And part of my motivation on this is to have a laugh and stuff while we're, I, I don't, I don't want every episode of this show to just be heavy. I don't want right. to, I don't want everything to just have this weight over it for an hour and 15 minutes. People will start falling asleep for that shit anyway. But like, we want to build an audience of people that are, that are valuing mental health, especially in men where it's, you know, more and more people are starting to talk about it and, and all those types of things. But if it's not so heavy, if we can have a laugh, kind of make fun of it ourselves a little bit every once in a while, you know, with whatever's going on in our brain, I think that's a healthy way of doing things. And mo maybe some people are going to think I'm not taking this seriously enough, but this whole fucking thing was my idea. So they need a dick. Mm. <laughs> God knows I don't come up with any good ideas. I just push buttons over here and sit back and listen. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want it to be like, I want us to like, I don't know. Like, you know, men, you grow up and, and and you live in these kind of ball-busting worlds with especially the military, you know, you and your buddies, you guys are bought and, it, and you roast the hell out of each other, you know. Um, if you just add mental health into that mix, <laughs> yeah, you know, where you're busting each other's balls about your shrink. I mean, you're like, ah. Don't tell Billy about that. He's going to curl up in a fucking ball over there. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I think if we treat it the same as you do everything else, you know, when your buddy ends up in a wheelchair, you all call him a cripple or something for like two weeks and everybody laughs about it or, you know, the, shit like that. Do the same thing with mental health. You're like, ah, Just you psycho. Go talk to your counselor. Stupid. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I think it's great. The more you bring yeah. it to the forefront, the more normal it's going to be. And that's exactly the, that, that's the goal. Hundred percent. Okay. I think uh I think we've tapped it out, Jason. Uh anything else you wanna you wanna shout out or, or things like that? No, no, no. I appreciate you letting me throw my little business in there and uh Oh absolutely. Can, no, absolutely. Happy and, to do uh, that. We make cool so. stuff, so don't don't hesitate to look us up. But um but yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you letting me come on and tell my story. Uh, I think it's a different perspective being um, from a military guy. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been awesome. So I appreciate it. Absolutely, 100%. man. We'll, hopefully, you know, we're sticking around long enough. We'll have you back sometime. Absolutely. That's we right. got to do at least 300 episodes, though. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 300. You bet. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we don't get so kicked much. off here. Jason, thank yeah. you for your service. Uh, really, uh, really enjoyed uh, talking to you, Bill. Good luck to the Iowa women on Friday. Yeah, that was awesome. So, Dude, Caitlin played... Clark is so good. I'm watching other women's basketball games to see who they're going to play. Yeah, like, they're, they're playing yeah. South Carolina. It's unbelievable. So. Yeah, and I don't think on to be a hundred percent honest, I don't think they can beat them. I mean, I think they can beat them. I don't think they will beat them because they're not going to re. They have like two, six, five girls. They're going to yeah. get every rebound. <laughs> I think the problem is that I think the problem is that Caitlin Clark can't beat them by herself. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And even like last night's game, Caitlin Clark beat them. Yeah. And kind of. and so she was on a mission where, last night. Yeah, I think that's just, she was on a mission. Yeah. Last night. When you go when you hit when you go up against South Carolina, it's a whole right. different beast. Yeah, they yeah. they're they're top to bottom very athletic. You can just tell. I mean, yeah. And it doesn't mean a great player can definitely basketball's the one sport where a great player, especially one that has the ball in their hand all the time, can definitely yeah. carry you. It's possible. I just don't I don't see it happening, but this is it's amazing and no one has transcended women's college basketball like she has in recent memory. I mean, yeah, now she's South a Carolina, lot of eyes to the game. They only beat uh, South Carolina. South Carolina only beat Maryland by eleven tonight, so it wasn't like they were crazy, crazy yeah. dominant. Yeah. So we'll uh, see. We'll see. Always got a puncher's chance though with, with Caitlin. That's for sure. Yeah, you do. <laughs> All righty, uh, everybody. All right, we appreciate you listening. Thank you guys so much. We will see you guys in two weeks. Jason, thank you very much. Have a great night, guys. All right, guys. Thanks again. Yes, yep. sir. All right.